Hey now, and welcome to the city off campus with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. We've got a legendary Hawkeye on the show today. We've got college football Hall of Famer and Iowa quarterback Chuck Long on. How's everything with you, Chuck? Great, guys. It's good to be on with you. I'm glad to be on with some University of Iowa students, and you guys are still uh, in school at Iowa. I wish I was back back in <laughs> Iowa. You know, it's been a long time, but, man, I enjoyed my years there, but I hope you guys are too. We definitely are. So my first question for you is, what does being an Iowa Hawkeye mean to you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, my life changed when I went to Iowa. You know, I always say uh, – everybody should write a book called what if and uh, I always think about what if I didn't get a, uh, an offer to play football at the University of Iowa where would I be today I have no idea but just you know from the day that that uh, they offered me a scholarship back in 1980 you know it just set me on a path that an unbelievable rewarding exhilarating path uh, football the one thing that people don't realize sometimes with football just opens so many doors for you or sports, I should say, not just football, but sports. And it's enabled me to go around the world. It's enabled me to meet, uh, live all over the country, to have great experiences, to be in different kinds of businesses. Um, it's been just the, mo the most rewarding thing for me, but I could not have, like I said, I, who knows where I'd be, but just the fact the University of Iowa has opened me up to a great world and a great life, and I really enjoyed every minute of it. You talked about getting an offer from Iowa. So what did your recruitment journey look like for the young Hawkeyes who don't know too much about how you got to Iowa? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't recruited very heavily at all. In fact, my, my first scholarship offer, offer was from Iowa, and uh, I had two others after that only because because Iowa offered, but I was just not a, I was just not a, uh, uh, highly sought after kid out of high school. I really didn't know what my future was going to be. I didn't even think about it. You know, back then you guys today always think about your future. Probably, you know, when you get out of the eighth grade and get into high school, you start thinking about college and all those things. We never did. We just, we played, we played every day. We went to school every day. We played hard every day. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, this, uh, a uh, great offer came from Iowa, and uh, I knew when I went on my visit here, my official visit, I knew I wanted to be a Hawkeye. I knew that it was a place for me, and it just, like I said, opened up a whole new world for me. And uh, all the friends that I have today, you know, I have great high school friends, of course, but I have a lot of wonderful friends from, from the football world and, and the University of Iowa world. But I was not recruited very heavily. Uh, Sammy, I just didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what, what, what recruitment was. I didn't know anything. I was the oldest in our family and we had no idea. And, uh, just, it all worked out great. Today is, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have any of that stuff back then. So you didn't hear things on the street or you didn't hate hear things through social media like you do today. Um, it took, it took a while for you to get the news, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but today is just a different world. They, they, the recruiting world has changed so much. Uh, now these college coaches are recruiting freshmen. They're looking at kids, you know, the freshman year in high school. Back back in my time, they didn't even look at you until you were until you were a senior. So they and they they got to know you as juniors, but they really weren't 
interested until your senior year and see what you did. Uh, but today's a whole different world. They're looking at freshmen, sophomores, you know, juniors. And by the time they look at you as a senior, it's too late. You know, they're, they're behind the eight ball. It's just recruiting has changed so much. Getting recruited by Iowa, I kind of wanted to go through that for a minute. So what was your first interaction with Coach Fry? And what was your first thoughts when you met Coach Fry? And, you know, going into your first semester at Iowa, what did you think of him as a coach and as a well, person? Well, you know, my first recollection of Coach Fry was my junior year in high school, and I was riding around in the car with my father. and We, were, we just so happened to get an Iowa football game on – on our radio in Wheaton, Illinois, WHO came all the way that far. And my dad said, Hey, Hey Chuck, we got to watch this coach Fry at Iowa. He's going to turn things around. I know about him. He's going to be really good. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I didn't know anything about Iowa at the time, but when they started recruiting me, um, they, they brought me in on an official visit one weekend in December of my, of my uh, senior year. And, I met the legendary Coach Fry at the IRP, the Iowa River Power Company. I don't know if you, you and Jack have been there, but my uh, my dad went to Iowa, and it's his favorite restaurant in yeah. Iowa City. There you go, there you go. It was the only restaurant in Coralville at the time, just about, and they had a big prime rib. And I I went there and I met Coach Fry for the first time, shook his hand, and and I just felt like he was bigger than life. I mean, he was like John Wayne. He was like a, a movie star. He had such charisma. And uh, I'll never forget going home after meeting him back to Wheaton. I said, I told my mom and dad, hey, I want to play for this guy. He, he, there's something about him that's going to be magical at Iowa. And it was. Turned out to be, he, he turned out to be magic at Iowa for sure. What was the biggest impact that Coach Fry had on your life? And what are some of the biggest lessons you learned from Coach Fry? Got to, he got to know you as more than just a football player. He really cared about you and, and, and your family. I, re, I recall, you know, he'd write notes, personal notes to my mom and dad. You know, when I wasn't even playing yet. I mean, during spring, he'd write mom and dad and say, hey, you know, Chuck's doing okay in school. Everything's fine. Just want to let you know he's got a nice future. And, I, again, I, wouldn't even play, I wasn't even playing yet. He just – he was so much more than just a football coach. He was like your father. He, I think everybody on the team felt like he was, he was a second father. He just got to know you that well. He cared about you as a, as a person. And not every coach does that. I mean, not many coaches have really accomplished that or have matched that uh, in this generation. Is this how he knows how to do that? Or he, uh, he knew how to do that. And he was – you know, he just – it was not only that, but his caring and his generosity and, and just his genuineness uh, around you. He had a great memory for names. I mean, he, he would know all about your family before you ever met him. He'd meet a whole room full of people and know everybody's name by the end of the night walking out. I mean, he had just had that special quality that way. And he made football, you know, it was regimented. It was discipline. It was hard work, but he made it fun. And you know, we celebrated. I don't know if Jack, you and uh, Sammy know this, but we we did the hokey pokey after every win in the locker room. Just a fun little dance. You you guys may not know the hokey pokey. You have to look it up on the internet. But it's on. It's a famous worldwide dance. But we did the hokey pokey after every win in the locker room. There's a bunch of grown men doing the hokey pokey. I mean, that's the kind of fun and element that he brought to the game. 
Yeah, I'm sure you're glad now that there weren't cameras back then that could have videoed anything <laughs> that was going on. <laughs> I know. We, we loved that on video, that's for sure. So not to fast forward uh, through your football career, but would you say these experiences and what you've uh, felt through having Coach Fry is kind of what inspired you to give back and get into coaching yourself? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he, he taught two things, build relationships and give back to your community when, when you're done. That's what we did. Um, I still do that today. I try to lend myself to my name and myself to different causes across the state of Iowa to try to raise money for entities that need it. And I'm more than happy to do that. But he, he, he taught me how to do that, taught me that's the best thing to do in life. And, and uh, to give back to your community, that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And he was that way. I mean, he just he taught so much more in life than just uh, X's and O's. He just taught a very special element of life. And, and again, I mentioned earlier in the outset of this uh, podcast, it, it just opened up the whole world to me. Uh, I was able to go to places that not, not many people go to in, in a lifetime. And that's because of him. That's because of football. Um, but I just, I have, I've loved, I love my experiences at, uh, at the university and I still love them now, be, living in the state. You've described Coach Fry as a really calming figure around the program. What was it like being the quarterback of the number one ranked team in the country in 1985? And what were some things that Coach Fry was saying that kind of kept you guys grounded in this idea of we haven't accomplished anything just other than this ranking yet? We have so much yet to accomplish. Yeah, he kept it very humble. He kept it, he kept us, um, hungry all the time uh even when we were number one he had a way of keeping us hungry we never i never for one moment felt like any team we had there was ever complacent ever took things for granted we just didn't you know we were iowa we were a little old iowa you know we had to work hard for everything we got and that's what he instilled in us he he, he made the impossible possible um for 20 straight years, Iowa had losing football programs for 20 straight years until he took over. He made the impossible possible. Um, it, you know, to turn something like this around, um, you know, I've been in coaching. I was in coaching for 20 years. It's just really hard to do. Uh, to take over a program where everybody probably tried to talk him out of it. Everybody laughed at him and said, hey, you can't turn Iowa around. There's no way. How, how are you ever going to compete against uh, Ohio State and Michigan? But he was the first, and Iowa was the first, to break the Ohio State-Michigan curse or, or, or control of the Big Ten. Uh, he was the, Iowa was the first one to break that Ohio State-Michigan Rose Bowl Big Ten championship tradition. I think they had it locked for about 20 years, and he made it possible. And I think since then, every team's gone to the Rose Bowl except for maybe a couple in the Big Ten. And that's because of Iowa and Hayden Fry. He showed people you can do it. And now, you know, Purdue's gone to a, a Rose Bowl. Northwest has gone to a Rose Bowl. Michigan State's gone to a Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, on and on and on. Uh, people have had a chance to do that. Wisconsin. Uh, because of Hayden Fry. I wanted to backtrack into, you know, first look at your Iowa career of, you know, I saw an interesting fact about you that you're either the only or one of few players to have participated in five career bowl games 
from your first season of only playing one game at Iowa to kind of becoming the starter, what was that journey like for you? And how did you earn the starting job? Uh, I earned a starting job. Um, you know, I, I earned it in the spring of my, my sophomore, ended up being my freshman year. Um, I was not registered my freshman year, but I got an extra year back. Um, I got a fifth year later on. I was a senior twice, actually, at Iowa. Who'd want, who wouldn't want to be a senior twice? Huh? <laughs> anyway, I earned it in the spring, my first spring there. You know, I went through the fall. And there was times during the fall where I was like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I could do this. Because I came from a very conservative, run-oriented offense in high school. Uh, we ran the ball 90% of the time. I threw the ball five times a game in high school. So we were not throwing the ball. And so I went to Iowa and we had this great system. Hayden Fry system was ahead of its time. We were throwing the football, spreading people out. We were shotgunning before anybody was doing that. And um, I was overwhelmed in the fall, my first fall. I re- I'll be honest with you. I thought, no, man, man it, it, this might be too big for me. I need to go to a smaller school. But I just stayed with it. My father at the time said, hey, just stay with it. You got good coaches there. They'll get you there. And I did. I just stayed patient, stayed with my faith and and got through it. And then that spring I earned a starting job. And it was uh, I had a really hot, good first scrimmage. And then I had some other scrimmages that I did well and and, and kept a job in the spring. However, uh, that fall we played Nebraska the first game and I had a horrible game. I mean, it was awful. Interceptions, threw the ball in the dirt, fumbled the ball. It was just terrible. We got we got pummeled, forty-two to seven. So I got benched the next game, and didn't really know what my future was or what you know if this was you know if this was going to happen. And uh, we lost that next game with another quarterback, and coach put me back in uh, the third game uh, against Arizona. We went down to a hot night in Arizona. We won that game. And I was a starter ever since that game. But it wasn't without trials and tribulations. It's not like anything was handed to me. It was, it was, there was times that I had some doubt as well, where if I, man, am I able to be able to do this? And I just stayed with it, stayed patient, uh, kept the faith, and, and it, it all worked out. Looking at your stats and watching, you know, highlights from your time at Iowa, Looking here, you know, you went from eight touchdowns your first year to 14 to 22 to 26 your final year. So how did you develop? Because, you know, watching your highlights, I mean, you throw some deep balls and they're just right, they're right on target. So how did you develop into that final product your senior year? I had great coaching. Uh, Coach Fry had, Coach Fry had a Hall of Fame staff. There's five to six coaches on his staff during those eighties that will make the collegiate football hall of fame. So he hired a terrific staff and I had two of the greatest offensive minds in all of football coaching me at the same time, Hayden Fry and Bill Snyder and Bill Snyder went to Kansas state and turned probably the greatest, had the greatest turnaround in college football history, the greatest turnaround in college football history unmatched. Uh, and I had him as my offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So I was very blessed to have two of the greatest, the greatest minds in all of, in all of college football history coaching me. So it started there. And that's, they brought me along. And to answer your question, in short, I had 
great teammates around me. They recruited very well. We had, I had great talent around me. And I also had two of the greatest coaches in, in history, along with the rest of our staff. Simple so, as that. So were those the reasons that made you want to return your senior year or for your second senior year, I should say? Or I did. What, what, what made it? Because, you know, so many guys nowadays, if they're a redshirt sophomore or they're a junior and they have the potential to be a top pick in the draft, they're going. And I know that year you finished seventh in Heisman. So what made yeah. you want to stay back and take the chance of, you know, potentially losing draft stock or whatever? Um, what led to that decision? We had a good team coming back. We had a chance to be a Big Ten champion team. Uh, we had everybody back off a really good team. Uh, and I want—I always had the dream of being a, a Big Ten champion quarterback and a Rose Bowl starter. And uh, that was the dream, and it came—it it became reality. But that was a big reason. I just wasn't ready for pro football. I—I I, I knew that could wait. I get to that when I got to it, but I just loved being around the football program. I wanted to graduate with a marketing degree. I, I wanted to get that done, but just to be back with my teammates and, and, and have coach Fry coach me another year and coach Snyder. I just, uh, you know, I just, that's what I wanted. I mean, those are rare opportunities where you can, you can have those guys, those guys coach you. And, uh, and, I knew I would learn so much more for another with another year under them as well. It, it was a big reason. So there's a lot of things pointing in the positive direction, staying back. And I did. Um, I knew all along in my gut, I was going to stay back. I just wanted to be patient with my decision, but I knew all along I was going to come back for another year and be, and be part of the big 10 championship team. And we did, we, we, we achieved that goal. What is your favorite moment as a, Hawkeye in in that and what's your favorite moment as an alum watching the team since you've been on oh um, my god the Hawkeye teams my favorite team is my favorite moment as a as a player was when we we were number one and Michigan was number two we beat him with in the last second field goal um in 1985 and in October of 85 and and we were one they were two and very rare game when one and two meet each other in the middle of the year. Happened to be in the same conference. Brent Musburger was doing the game. We had an electrifying week on campus. The, the campus was on fire and buzzing. And, and um, you know, you're just going from classroom to classroom and everybody was fired up about it. And crowd came early and they stayed late. And we had a magical game that just was like a Hollywood script and unfolded to a two minute drill at the end. And then Rob Houtland, our magical kicker, kicked it with two seconds to go to win it. And I, it still gives me chills to think about that crowd. The, the uh, elation and emotion of that crowd was never matched again in my career as, as, a, as a future, as a player in the NFL or a coach. It was never matched again, just the elation and emotion of that Hawkeye crowd. That was by far my shining moment. As an alum, oh my gosh, there's been, there's been many as an alum. I, there's been some great victories along the way when I got out of school. Of course, I always kept track. Um, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly which game that I really enjoyed. I've, I've enjoyed many. I remember, well, one of my uh, moments was coming back as an honorary captain uh, about 10 years ago and in, in, in Kinnick, and uh, the crowd still knew who I was. <laughs> so 
that, that was a good, that was a nice moment. Uh, being inducted in the Wall of Honor at Kinnick Stadium uh, was, is, you know, my most special moment as, as an alumnus. And just being on the Wall of Honor in Kinnick is a, I can't put into words how much that means to me. And, and uh, to be up there with all those other greats, Iowa greats over time, all the way back to Niall Kinnick, of course, um, you know, just a special honor there. And I'll never, I'll never forget it. And uh, they had that kind of recognition, but it was a culmination of, again, great coaches and great teammates. What was it like being QB one in 1985 in Iowa city? What was your college experience like? Oh, was, you know, I was not a, uh, you know, during the fall, um, I was pretty locked in. I was pretty numb to what was going on um, outside. You, you know, you get in your little bubble and you, and I was, you know, I'd go to get up, go to class and then basically go to practice and go home. And, and I was one of those guys getting to bed early. <laughs> you know, I felt the pressure of the, uh, the program on my shoulders. I wanted to do right by my teammates. I wanted to make sure they knew I was prepared in every game. I did a lot of film study till 10 o'clock at night. Um, so I didn't have much of a social life during the fall, uh, where I, where I felt it is when I, I would walk across campus or go to cl from class to class and you just could feel the buzz in the air from the students. <laughs> and when you got in the classroom, maybe you could feel it. That's where I got it. I didn't do much. And, and then after the game, maybe, if, you know, I was always with my family or whatever, but go, going downtown, maybe, if, you know, after the game for a little while, then you really felt it after a win, especially after that that night, that night we uh, we uh, beat Michigan. Uh, you felt like the whole campus was downtown that night. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that you know, question I have. So kind of leading into the Heisman race, your senior year, your final senior year, when you were sitting in that room waiting for the announcement, what was rushing through your mind? Were you nervous? Because when looking at the video, you look a little nervous. Like you look like you just want the announcement to be over with, but what was actually going through your head? Oh man. I was like, this is the longest hour of my life. I mean, you're in that room for an hour. It felt, it feels like you're in there for five days. Uh, they go, you know, you just, you're everything going, going so slow to get to that. You know, it's an hour long show back then. Now it's like two hours. But it's an hour-long show back then, and they don't announce it to the last minute. So they break away to that last commercial, and they say, when you, when you come back, we're going to announce the winner. And, I mean, when they come back, your heart is beating right out of your chest. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they're going to announce the winner of the Heisman Trophy because that's all you hear about growing up. And uh, they announced Bo Jackson, of course, and, and uh, I was actually relieved. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, I, I, to, be, to be, you know, in the race with a guy like him, who's one of the special athletes of, the, of this century, maybe one of the greatest athletes of the, of the last century, uh, was very special indeed. And he deserved it. He, he had a great year and special athlete himself. So it's fun to be in the race. But not to cut yourself short, though, you had one of the most historical races in voting and, you know, up to that point. Yeah. So you were neck and neck with one of the, you know, craziest athletes of all time. So yeah. when you were in that race and, you know, the weeks leading up to it and you're reading the newspapers or hearing about it from teammates, coaches, whoever, reporters, when they're doing all the interviews leading up to it, 
did you think you were going to beat him out? Did you think there was a chance or did you think you were going to be like second or third? No, it was, a chance. It was such a close race. Yeah, it was so close. There was a chance there. I mean, it started to build up, you know, up until the, uh, up until the last part of it. And, um, uh, the, the further it went along before the announcement, the more I felt like I had a chance and, and Iowa had a chance and, um, and then come announcement day, it was, it was basically up in the air, you know, no one really knew. And usually, you know, kind of going in, but no one knew. And it was, it was anybody's guess at that point. So that's what made it exciting for everybody. What was the inspiration behind the gray suit, white shirt, and red tie for the Heisman ceremony and no Hawkeye colors? I don't know. I just felt, you know, it was the only suit I had. That's fair. Uh, you know, I, I probably should have put Hawkeye colors on. No, there. I just asked because you see now, yeah. nowadays, like, you, everyone's got, like, you. they open their jackets and they got the emblems yeah, and they I, got uh, all the colors and everything. I didn't have a suit. I think I borrowed it. You know, I I didn't have a tie. <laughs> so you went you went to ra- you went to Ragstock and got one for five. Yeah, I, I just went. asked whoever for a tie. <laughs> I need something here, and uh, that, that's how it worked out. But um, yeah, I just uh, you know back then we didn't have any suits. We didn't have many clothes. You know, we had just Hawkeye gear, t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> you know, and sweats. That's about all we wore every day. Who did you see at that Heisman ceremony that kind of just stopped the entire moment and you said, holy crap, there's so-and-so? Who, if there was anyone, who was it? Oh, I would say um, Bob Costas was the announcer of the, of the trophy. He, he was a moderator, and Bob was really big at that point. He was one of the leading sportscasters. It was really cool to see him. Uh Bo Jackson, you know, meeting Bo Jackson, <laughs> that, that, that was big. Um, those are really the two guys that I remember that, that stuck out. Uh, there wasn't a, a lot of people up in the room like there is now. You see a full audience of people. Uh, but, but back then, there just wasn't a lot of people in that room. The room wasn't very big to begin with. And so you, you couldn't fit a lot of people in there. But those two guys, Bob Costas and, and Bo Jackson, for sure. Does Does Bob still look the same as he does, or he did then, as he does now? Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. <laughs> yeah, he still looks good. Going into your NFL draft experience, what was that like for you, leading up to the draft, and then what was the feeling of being a first round pick? Uh, yeah, the draft was. Uh, yeah, very interesting. I didn't know where I was going to go. The only thing I could, the only story I could tell you is I thought I was going to be a Charger, a San Diego Charger. And uh, they had called me. They had they had picked number thirteen, and Detroit had picked number twelve. So they called me, pick number eleven. During pick number eleven, said, "Hey, if you're there, we're going to take you in two picks." So I'm thinking I'm going to be a, a San Diego Charger going to Southern California, uh, being tutored by Dan Faust, Hall of Fame uh-huh. quarterback in San Diego. He was still there. I thought it was a perfect opportunity. Then Detroit picked me. They called me out of the blue at number 12. And they called me and said, hey, we want, we're going to pick you. And I was excited. You know, you're excited for any team to pick you. There's only 32 
teams in the world in the NFL. So you're one of you're a quarterback for one of 32 teams in the world. That's pretty good. So I was really happy, you know, to be drafted number one by Detroit and made the most of it. But that's how it went down. I thought I was going to be a Charger. Wow. Going into your Lions career to start, I'm pretty sure your first NFL game was against the defending champion Chicago Bears, if I'm not mistaken. So going into the game, facing a team with an offense led by Walter Payton, a defense led by, you know, guys like Richard Dent and that coming off their 1985 season, what was that like for you? Were you nervous? Were you excited to kind of take us through that? Uh, It was was scary, I'll tell you what. Watching the tape of Chicago all week going to that game, uh, they were rough. I mean, they were beating up quarterbacks. They were one of the best defensive front sevens in pro football history. And it was not fun going going that week to watch them going to my first start. Uh, so I was excited about it, but I was also, oh, my gosh, get me through this game healthy. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they, were, they were fast. They could hit you. And I got hit a bunch. We almost pulled the game out. We had an electrifying 80,000 fans sold out. It was loud. And they won it. They won the game with the last second field goal. We had we had them. We had them on the ropes. But they were a good football team. And going to that game, I'll tell you, boys, I was, I was concerned about <laughs> all the hits, you know, that they were hitting on quarterbacks. But our offensive line did a nice job that day. And I managed to hit a couple touchdown passes and we were in the game. Again, we were, we were winning the game to the last second and they kicked the field goal to win it. So being a rookie in that situation, was that a big confidence boost knowing you almost had the defending champion Chicago bears, one of the greatest defenses of all time. It was, it was, but man, it was not fun playing them because they were, they were rough. They were rough and you got beat up pretty good after you got out of that game. It was a game of survival, put it that way. <laughs> I can imagine. I, w- I want to ask a question about that. What would make that defense coming out your rookie season? You you come out and see it. What would, what would, what was your first reaction to that defense? Was it just how sound we were, they were? Was it how they had what you guys were trying to do already figured out, or was it just the intimidation factor, like sometimes what the Patriots kind of use against other teams where they, teams they were just, play timid? They were just good at every position. They their front seven, they're all all pros at every position. They had talent and they had a scheme that was really good. The Bear Forty Six under Buddy Ryan. I mean, they were just really not only a great scheme but great players. There was not, there was no weakness at all with them, and that's what made them special. They just, they drafted well, and and they were good. Would they ever get out of that forty-six defense, or would they just sit in that all game? And, all game. Oh yeah, they, they get in that forty-six and hammer you. <laughs> they dare you to throw the ball because you can never get, you can never drop back and clean and get the ball off. When you were with the Lions in nineteen eighty-nine, were you there when Sanders? was drafted there or was he there the year after? Yeah, he was there when, when I was there when he got drafted. Uh, he, he was, he was the NFL. He was the NFL game changer. I mean, he, he was special. I mean, he just, he's probably the best football player that I've, I've ever seen play. Um, he just had, he had great quickness and acceleration and speed and, 
power. Couldn't tackle him. Just a great football player. He would he would, if he would have stayed in the game. He retired early. If he would have stayed in the game, he would have he would have all the records. Having the accomplishments of you know obviously playing in the NFL, being a first round pick, holding you know almost every Hawkeye football passing record there is to have. Do you have any regrets in your playing career or anything you wish you could have done better? Or are you pretty satisfied with what you were able to accomplish? I'm pretty satisfied. You know, when you're, when you're an athlete, you always strive for perfection. You want everything to go right. But I had my trials and tribulations and uh, I've enjoyed my career. I, I, again, I've been at the pinnacle and I've been at the bottom and everything else in between. And, um, I, I've managed to play a game and, and got out of it healthy. Um, but I've managed to play a game that was so great to play. I had a, I had an ability, a God-given ability to play the game. I, I, I tried to use it to the best of my ability and, and got, got a lot out of it. And as I mentioned to you guys before at the beginning, it's opened the whole, opened up the world to me, but I, uh, I, I have no regrets. I've had a, a wonderful time. Uh, I had a wonderful time in it. I had a wonderful time coaching it. Uh, I have had a wonderful time being in the TV part, in the TV booth with it. Um, it's just been uh, a, a great part of my life, and uh, no regrets. Had a lot of fun with it. What led to going into coaching, um, and what kind of led that to be a passion for the last twenty something years? And well, I wanted to mentor young man I just felt like I had a lot to give in the coaching world and how to how to mentor a young man and and uh, bring him along and I've had as much if not more satisfaction in coaching than I had as a player you know as a player you, you always get yourself ready to play and for your teammates but as a coach you have to get guys ready to play for their teammates and I just loved uh, that aspect of it get bringing a kid in from recruiting and signing him and you know seeing seeing the light come on during his career going from a coming in as a boy and leaving as a young man is basically what happens and uh just seeing that transformation and there's nothing like it when the light comes on with a player and you're coaching that player and he succeeds he, i've really enjoyed that part as much as being a player what was special about coaching on that oklahoma national title team for you Oh, we had a wonderful staff. I mean, we just had guys that checked their ego at the door. We had a, we had just had a great staff with great chemistry. And that was very apparent. Our team felt it and became very close to one, to each other. Uh, we didn't have a, the most talented team in the conference or in the country. That's, that was the beauty of it. We just coached them hard. We came together. Uh, we had, we caught lightning in a bottle and we went undefeated and won it all. But we were not the most talented team in the country by a long shot. But it just proved to me that you don't have the, you don't have to have all the talent in the world. As long as you come together and have a common goal and you keep check your ego at the door, take the coaching and you have a wonderful if you have a good staff put together, you can you can you can do a lot more than what you have. And that's what we did. You got to work under some of the greatest, you know, football coaches in college football history, like Fry, Ferentz, and Stoops. What are some similarities they all share, and what are some major differences between the three? 
you know, they all really had the same kind of blueprint. You know, Hayden, Hayden created the blueprint and they took that blueprint element from Hayden. You know, Hayden's had 29 head coaches off of his three and they all, it'd be, it'd be stupid if you didn't take his blueprint because he came in and turned the program and had 20 losing years in a row, turned it around. And that's what Bill Snyder did at Kansas State. Bob Stoops did at Oklahoma. Barry Alvarez did at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Those guys took that Hayden Fry blueprint. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. And made sure uh, they kept elements. Now, they, they interjected in their own uh, personality. But because they, they had to be true to their own personality, their own beliefs. But they all had that blueprint that Hayden had because it's successful. Why not? You, you take that blueprint and it'll work. And that's what they did. Yeah. And I saw that later on in your coaching career, you coached a Norman high school in Oklahoma. Was George Kittle there when you coached at the high yeah, school? George, yeah. George and my son were, were teammates. Okay. Uh, I was a quarterback and George was a wide receiver. And, uh, and look at him now. He's really blossomed as a tight end in the NFL and, He's a great story. You ought to get him on your podcast, guys. He's a great story. But he, you know, he was uh, a last scholarship kid at, at, at Iowa. Uh, no one recruited him. And skinny kid, but, you know, you knew he was going to grow. And he grew at Iowa and grew in a great way and ended up being, a, you know, obviously, you know, the story of 49er and the best tight end in, college, in, uh, in the NFL right now. And just got a nice contract to, to back that up. He's a great success story. So with guys like that, what is it like for you as a coach to see their evolution from a guy who got no offers, similar to you in a way, got no offers, yeah. led up college football? Um, he was a little bit more doubted being a later pick in the draft, but then you see him go on to great NFL success. So knowing him personally and also coaching him and then seeing him go to your you know, school, what, what's that like for you? You know, it's great. I mean, it's a, like I said, a great success story. You know, George has always been a hard worker, but he brings a lot of personality to the table. He's a wonderful team leader. You know, he's great in the locker room. He's all, he was always encouraging all the time. His parents, Bruce and Jan, have raised him well in, in the right way. And if you have that kind of integrity and that kind of personality and you're, you think of your teammates first, which he does all the time, uh, and the way he his work ethic that his that his mom and dad instilled in him, you knew he's going to be a success uh, at Iowa, and he did. He just made himself into a player, uh, and now he's he's a, he's holds the tight end record for reception yards in the NFL. But it's so it's so much fun to to know him from way back when, you know, playing with my son in high school, and here he is today. It's really fun to see great success stories like that. Uh, come out of former teammates, you know, Bruce and I played together at Iowa, just former teammates as kids and, and what he's doing in the NFL. Did you ever envision George being as good of a receiver as he is now, or did you envision him being a better blocker than he is now? Uh, he's he's very good, good at both. Yeah, he's always a good receiver. He had to work on his blocking. That's the one thing where he had, you know, his dad would always get mad about his blocking. So he was always a good receiver. He just had to, he had to get bigger and stronger, but, but uh, you knew he would, you know, his, his, his dad's six, four and his mom's six foot. So you knew he's going to have some more growth ahead of him. And, 
and he did. He just he just he, he was a late bloomer. Yeah, he was a late bloomer. So he finally grew into he finally grew you know where he is today, and he's become a really accomplished uh, blocker now, a big physical blocker, and that that's where he needed what he needed to do, and he did it. I just want to ask a little about your your XFL experience with the Battlehawks. By the way, probably the coolest name in the XFL. I already, I became a fan right when I saw the name released. I just wanted to talk a little about your experience with that, and if you planned on possibly wanting to rejoin that if that league ever restarts. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in rejoining. Uh, Jonathan Hayes was our head coach, and he's a really uh, a, a good head coach on the rise now in this in this business. I mean, he. Um, I think he's going to be really good. He needs another chance at it um, to be uh, that head coaching chance. But I, I, I think the XFL is going to be here to stay. It's, it's bought by new ownership with uh, Dwayne Johnson, um, AKA the rock. Uh, but I think that ownership is going to really uh, uh, take it to, take it to heights. Um, who knows when it's going to start up again. They're going to do it the right way, obviously. Um, you don't want you don't want to start it up and then COVID affect it again and you shut it down again. You don't want that to happen. But I think there's some really good marketing in that league and and they know it, they knew what they're doing. I just loved all the aspects of the new rules and and uh, the personality, I guess, of the league. But yeah, I'd be, definitely be interested in that. Who knows? We'll see what happens down the road. Before we close out, I just wanted to ask you for. Um, one more question is, what is a piece of advice you'd like to give to current Hawkeyes and to future Hawkeyes down the road? Well, you know, guy, you mentioned it before, guys rush their lives so much now. You know, they go to the NFL early and they come out of high school early. And I always say in high school, kids, play as many sports as you can. Enjoy those moments. You never get them back in life. Um, college guys, try to stay as long as you can. Uh, you know, I like the guys to stay four years, five years, enjoy that college experience. Don't rush your life so much. And I know there's, you know, there's situations where you have to do stuff for your family and go early if you have a chance to do that. Um, but I just enjoy the moment of, of high school, enjoy the moment of, uh, of college. You know, those are rare moments. And now, now you have the, the challenge of COVID, you know, that's really added a, a unique challenge to all of this. And, and uh, as you guys know, you have to do more online now than ever before, but it's still the college experience, even though it's online and, and you just have to enjoy those moments. And, and someday you look back on it and go, hey, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't, didn't rush my life into something. Uh, but again, I know that each situation is different. And you have to look at it. Enjoy the moment where you're at at that point in time at the day. Don't worry so much about the future and just enjoy the moment and, and the gifts and the blessings that are given to you that day and 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 make the best of it. Yeah, great advice. I could listen to that every morning before I started <laughs> my days and just be fired up. That was some great stuff right there. That was you're awesome. Good. Hey, you guys are fun. You guys are fun. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, thank you so much thank for coming you. on. And Jack, do you want to close out the podcast? We'll have this up as soon as we can. Not the same time, but the same place. We will see you guys later.